0: Welcome to the Gateway Scottsdale audio podcast. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through his word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv. Now, let's tune in for this week's message. If you've got a Bible, I want you to turn to Malachi chapter three. We'll finish the message there uh, in a way that you may not see coming, but because I know you've probably read Malachi chapter three. Uh, Since we're talking about tithing, and I know that some of us, when we hear the word tithing in church, we roll our eyes, or it's like hearing from the dentist that you need six root canals. So let me just lighten the load before we jump into the meat of the message. I'll just read a little story to you. A local charity had never received a donation from the town's banker, so the director made a phone call. Our records show you make $500,000 a year, yet you haven't given a penny to charity, the director began. Wouldn't you like to help the community? The banker replied, did your research show that my mother is ill with extremely expensive medical bills? Um, no, mumbled the director. Or that my brother is blind and unemployed? Or that my sister's husband died leaving her broke with four kids? I, I, I had no idea, says the director. So, says the banker, if I don't give them any money, why would I give any to you? (laughs) That was straight up Joel Osteen style right there. I just thought, some of you just hate to even hear the word tithing in church, so I'll just kind of lighten the load a little bit, relax. It's not as bad as you think. It is the Bible, okay? I didn't make this up. Pastors didn't create the tithe. God did, God did. So we're gonna go through the Bible, all right? We're gonna talk about the number one financial pillar in our lives and just in the same way that, that when we talked about the emotional pillars, we only talked about one, we talked about peace because peace as a pillar is far and away above all the other emotional pillars God established for our lives to be built around and upon in the same way. When it comes to the financial area of our life, there is one pillar that is far and away, above or ahead all the other pillars, and it is the tithe. And we have to talk about this. It's healthy to talk about this. I'm not afraid to talk about this. I am just as confident to talk to you about tithing as I am the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because it's in God's word. And it's clearly taught in scripture, all right? So if, if you kind of struggle with the tithe, if, if you presently don't tithe, listen, I, I don't want you to feel guilty at all. In the same way that when we talked about stewarding your body, if you struggle in that area, I didn't want you to feel shame. And when we talked about peace as a pillar emotionally, in the emotional area of your life, and if you struggle in that area, I didn't want you to feel embarrassed in the same way. If you presently just choose not to tithe or you even find yourself saying, I don't believe in tithing. Okay, I, I just want you to hear my heart. I'm not asking you if you believe, believe in tithing. I'm just asking you if you believe in the Bible. I, I'm not trying to get into a theological argument about tithing. Scripture settles it in the Old and New Testament. So we don't need to fight. We don't need to argue about it. Let's just celebrate what God established as a pillar in our lives, especially related to the financial area of our lives. Now, some people, when they hear the word money, they associate the word ownership with it quite often. And since that's kind of the case for many of us, when we think money, we think of mine. It's my money or it's your money, but we think of ownership. Let me just go into scripture and read you a passage about ownership that will help calibrate us as we step into this teaching on tithing. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. We read this two weeks ago in the physical message. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, who is within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. God owns me. God owns you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. He bought you, he bought me by the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Okay, so I don't even own me. So it makes it easier to talk about my money when I'm reminded of the fact I don't even own me. So if I don't own me, I don't own what's in my wallet. All right, so let's just kind of remember Jesus is Lord, is that right? I mean, Pastor Brad just talked about the king of kings. He's Lord over all. Okay, well, if you struggle when a pastor teaches on tithing, if there's a party that wants to box theologically and fight it out, uh, it may not have as much to do with the tithe as it does with Jesus being Lord of all in every area of your life. So let's, let's talk about this issue of tithing, and, and as we jump into the three points, understand this, that there has been a battle over this subject almost since the very, very beginning of mankind. And the battle has not been between those who believe in tithing and those who don't believe in tithing. The battle has been between the one who knows what will happen when you come into alignment with God's ways, and the God who created tithing. The enemy knows what will happen when I come into alignment in every area of my life, including with my finances. So there has been a battle, not between the devil and God, but the enemy is fighting against all of us. Money is the currency of earth. Souls are the currency of heaven. But money is the currency of earth. So there is a battle over our money. And we know that. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So here's what I would ask as we jump into point number one. If you struggle in this area, here's what I would ask. Just have an open mind and an open heart and just see if the Holy Spirit speaks anything to you during this message that's all I ask I'm not asking you to start tithing on your way out the door tonight I'm asking you if you struggle in this area to simply open your heart and open your mind what the Holy Spirit would say to you during this message all right Okay, here's point number one. If we're going to talk about the tithe, we have to talk about this. Point number one, it belongs to him. The tithe belongs to God. Now, most people, they don't tithe, not because they necessarily don't believe in it, but actually the bigger reason is they just don't understand what a big deal it is to God. The Bible says that the tithe belongs to God. Leviticus chapter 27, I know your favorite book in the entire Bible, Leviticus. Chapter 27, verse 30 says, and all the tithe, not some of it, all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Okay. If you're a parent, you know one of the first words your children learn is probably maybe mama, you know, before dada. It might be dada. But in the first three or four words your child learns, they're going to learn the word, what? Mine. Mine. Especially if they have siblings. That's mine. I'm four, you're two. I'm four, you're one. You haven't been in this world as long as I have. That belongs to me. That's mine. Okay, God is not saying in Leviticus 27, verse 30, like a spoiled brat, the tithe is mine. It's mine. He's he's not doing that. And here's how we know. He says, the tithe belongs to me because it's holy to me. It's set apart. So let me illustrate this for you. Okay, here's how God sees the 90%. And and this was a revelation the Lord gave me almost 20 years ago that helped me understand the importance of tithing and really helped me to really get into the rhythm of tithing, worshiping through my tithe. Here's how God sees money. There's the 90% over here, all right? And then over here, he sees the 10%. The 10% is holy, it's set apart to God. The 90% is not right here. That's not what set apart means. Set apart means there is some incredible distance between the 90 and the 10. Part of the problem when we struggle to tithe is some of us see the 90 and the 10 all in the same pot. But God says, no, no, no. The 90 is over here. And the 10 is set apart. It is holy. It is mine. It's over here. And when I was in my early 20s, I was 21 years old when the Lord gave me a revelation on tithing. I'd grown up in a pastor's home my whole life, uh, but the revelation that I got in my early 20s completely changed the game for me. And it was that, basically, God stands between the 90 and the 10. The 10 belongs to him. It's his, it's not mine. And that, that brings up something that we really need to talk about because Terminology is important, all right? It's not just semantic, it's important. So I've heard people use words like, uh, ah, I've got to pay my tithe. Or words like, ah, I, I gotta give my tithe before I leave. Okay, you do neither. You don't do either one. Think about this for a second. If I loaned you my car, all right, better yet, if I loaned you my wife's car, And I just handed you the keys to my wife's car. All right. And you owed me some money. And I said, Hey, uh, you remember you you owe me uh, that $1,200 that I helped you with rent a couple months ago? I I need you to pay me back. All right. Christmas is coming. I need to get some gifts. I, I need you to pay me back. And you say, Hey, great. I'm coming to the house tonight. I got you. And you come to my house, you come to my front door knock on the door, I come to the door, say, hey, you got the 1,200 bucks? No, no, man, I got something way better than 1,200 bucks. I'm going to pay my debt with this car. And you hand me my wife's car keys. Some of you are thinking right now, Preston, that makes no sense. You're exactly right. You cannot pay me with something that belongs to me. That's why I cannot pay my tithe. I do not pay my tithe like it was taxes. The tithe is not a Christian tax. It's holy unto the Lord. It's set apart to the Lord. I can't pay it. I also can't give it in the same way. It's about to be Christmas time. And, and you just, you love me. You love me so much. And you come by my house and you say, knock 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 and I come to the door. and Hey, what's going on? And you say, I'm just feeling extremely generous this year. And and I just love you, Preston, you're you're just amazing, just love what you're doing, and and I want to give you something extravagant this year, and you hand me my wife's car keys. Is that a gift? Of course it's not. You're just returning to me what already belongs to me, or really it belongs to her. Everything I have belongs to her. But you can't give me something that belongs to me. Okay, the tithe belongs to God, so we don't pay him with it, and we don't give it to him. We bring it to him. We bring the tithe to the Lord. Now, because some people don't like to talk about who the tithe belongs to, they would rather talk about where they believe the tithe belongs. So they say things like, oh, well, that's under the law. And the real real reason they they talk about the tithe being under the law is they they really just don't want to talk about who the tithe belongs to because scripture locks that one down. Doesn't need 60 verses to do it. In one verse, the Lord says, it's mine. It's mine. It belongs to me. It's set apart as holy unto me. Okay. Some people, though, say, well, the tithe is under the law and Jesus came to release us from the law, and we are no longer under the law. Jesus did away with the law, wrong. Matthew chapter five, Jesus says in very plain language, I did not come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill it. So let me give you an example. Under the law, you had to make a sacrifice for your sin. You go sacrifice a sheep. Not that big of a deal, a little, it's valuable, it kind of like a car back in the day, you know, kind of extravagant. Jesus comes, dies on the cross, As the payment for our sins, well, we're no longer under the law. Sacrifices end. Well, the sacrifice for forgiveness is taken care of through Jesus, but sacrifices don't stop. Romans 12, verse 1. Brethren, I beseech you, therefore, to present yourself. Let's cut to the good stuff. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Under the law, the sacrifice was a sheep. After the cross, the sacrifice is all of me. Now, after hearing that, some of you are like, let's go back under the law. I'd like to just give a sheep. Jesus did not come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. So yes, the tithe was under the law, but let me show you, Jesus also says, he addresses the tithe in Matthew chapter 23. And before I read this to you, let me ask you a question. How many times... Does Jesus need to say something to you to get you to do it? I sound like a parent right now. How many times do I have to tell you before you do it? That's a a famous phrase in every home for parents to children. How many times do I have to tell you to pick up your stinky shoes right here in the living room where everybody runs from them? Five times, six times? Okay, how many times does Jesus need to tell you to do something before you do it? Well, of course, many of us would say one time. Well, let's see if that's the truth. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Jesus says, What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, faith. Yes, you should tithe. But do not neglect the more important things. Now, I've heard some people say, well, pastor, this this is God saying through his son that if if more important bills come up, that I should appropriate the tithe towards those bills. That is not what Jesus just said. Jesus said, yes, you should tithe. But tithing doesn't mean you're exempt from more important things. I love that Jesus is saying, hey, the, the tithe, it's not like this, Huge thing, but it's been settled. It, it's it's ten percent. And think about this: when you talk about the the Black Friday sales, did any of you get out of bed for a ten percent off sale on Friday morning? Anybody set their alarm for three a.m. because your favorite store had a ten percent off sale? Oh oh babe babe, I, I can't I can't even sleep. My favorite store has a ten percent off sale tomorrow. It's gonna be amazing, 10% off. No, you don't even get out of bed for 30% off. You're going for 50% off. 10% off, nobody even glances at. Then why have so many Christians made 10% an insurmountable obstacle? We're talking about a 10% sale. No one even goes to the store for that. Why have we made the tithe? An insurmountable obstacle, I'll tell you why. Because we have an enemy who knows what will happen if we come into alignment with the way God has created us to do things. Jesus says in the the New Testament, yes, you should tithe. Here's point number two. It's not just any tenth. It's not just any tenth. Genesis chapter 28, verse 22 And this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place for worshiping God. And I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. Now, this is before the law. I will present to God, I will bring to God a tenth of everything he gives me. Okay, the word tithe literally means tenth. Now, for some of you, tithe is like a swear word. If I walked into this room just randomly from the side and I shouted out, tithe! Some of your blood pressure would just go through the roof. But if I walked into this room and I said, tenth! You'd look at me like I was a moron. That's all tithe means. Is tenth. Is it really that big of a deal? Really? If I just said tenth, Nobody bats an eye. The second I say tithe, and many in the room start freaking out. It's not just a tenth, though. It's important to understand. Now, some say when when the pastor starts preaching on tithing, it's because the church needs money. Okay, that is so pessimistic, number one. And number two, it's untrue. Let me just tell you, all right? Let's just put the cards on the table. Every bit of renovation you see in this building, as a church, we paid cash for. Every single bit of it. And with all of that outgo over the last seven months, we still have, as a church, more than three months of expenses, which the national average for churches is two weeks. The healthiest and best churches in America are shy of six months. Okay, even with all that outgo, now, why are we, were we able to pay cash for every bit of renovation we did? I'll tell you why. The sacrificial generosity of the members of this church. That's why. That's how. Well, how are we able to, even after all that outgo, have more than three months of expenses in cash on hand? I'll tell you how. The good stewardship of the elders and the staff, but even more than that, the faithful tithing, and generous giving of the members of this church. So I'm not standing before you going, oh man, and Brad and I were looking this week, we're getting to the end of the year, we're not gonna meet budget. Listen, by God's grace, we've already exceeded our budget this year of what we expected to come in. So this is not about, hey, uh, I know you're trying to buy Christmas presents, can, can, you, can you put a little tithe in the back before? No. I'm just preaching the Bible. And we just happened to, be getting to this message at this time of the year. But some are pessimistic and they think, well, the only reason the pastor talks about it is the church is hurting. No, the church is not hurting. I'm not doing this because we need it as a church. I am teaching on this, number one, because the Lord told me to. And if he wanted me to preach on tithing every week of the year, I would do it because he said it. I thank the Lord he doesn't. Because most of you would be like, hey, heard it done it i'm out but the second reason is because you and i need it god created us to need this financial pillar in all of our lives my life was created to be built around the principle of bringing unto god what belongs to him the tithe now let me show you Proverbs chapter three, verse nine, when we talk about it, it's not just any 10th, okay? Well, the question is, which 10th is it? Proverbs three, verse nine, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Now, first fruits is something I love to talk about because I've grown up in Pastor Robert Morris's uh, spiritual family. So I love to, to talk about first fruits, but there's a passage in scripture related to first fruits that is very misunderstood goes all the way back to Cain and Abel, all right? You can turn there if you want, but you don't need to. Genesis chapter four, you can read it with me, starting in verse two. Many people don't understand why God rejected Cain's offering but accepted or received Abel's offering. I'm gonna show you. Genesis chapter four, verse two. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, that statement is very important in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought watch this next word an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord Abel also brought look he didn't pay he didn't give he brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat and the Lord respected Abel and his offering but he did not respect Cain and his offering And of course, we know Cain gets angry and jealous of Abel, and the rest is history. But why did God reject Cain's offering and receive Abel's offering? You just read why. First, Cain, the Bible says, in the process of time brought God. In the process of time. Here's another way to translate that. When he felt like it. When he felt like it, he brought God an offering, not the first fruits, an offering, some offering, which sounds great, it sounds godly, it sounds spiritual. Listen, here's another way you can know in your heart that I'm not preaching on the tithe to get something from you. Because if I really, if the church was hurting and I really just wanted to get something from you, I would not care which tithe you brought which tenth you brought I'll just be glad you brought a tenth I don't really care if it's it's the second tenth or the eighth tenth or the last tenth I don't even care just bring it okay I do care because God cares it's not just any tenth it's the first tenth God rejected Cain's Tithe, I know scripture doesn't use that, but when you see first fruits, we see it. This is before the tithe was even instituted, well before. But God rejects Cain's offering because it was not of the first fruits. Now, why? Why does God want the tithe to be the first tenth? Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23 helps us understand why. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. That's the purpose. That's why it's the first. God, you come first. You're first in my life. You're not last after I make sure the the mortgage company gets paid and the electric company gets paid and my, my kid's tuition gets paid. And then, if there's enough, I'll show you some love. No, first fruit says, God, you come first. And all that other stuff is so removed from me and you. You come first. This is about you and me. This is not about all of that. God, you come first in my life. That leads us to the third point, and this one might surprise you. Tithing has consequences tithing has consequences hold on Preston you're trying to convince me a non-tither to tithe and now you tell me there are consequences yep there are bad things have bad consequences good things have good consequences but God things have inescapable blessed consequences cannot escape the blessings of God when he responds to us doing anything the way he has asked us. Now, some people, when we talk about the good consequences, the blessed consequences of tithing, they immediately go, see, give to get. Number one, can't give the tithe, so I'm not preaching give to get. But I am going to teach you scripture where God says, some of you think that I, speaking as the Lord, some of you think that I instituted the tithe because I wanted to get something from you. But I want you to see my heart. And if you flipped over to Malachi 3, go ahead and turn to it. It's one of the most famous passages in scripture on tithing. But if, if you just read it to see what God says about tithing, you will miss God's heart for you. Okay? So before I give you these first these two subpoints, I, I have to make sure you understand. When we do things God's way, there are inescapable, blessed consequences. It's not give to get. It's funny that people who talk about well, when, Pastor, when you teach on tithing and then you talk about the blessing of God when he responds to my obedience, you're, you're just preaching give to get. How come those same people, when I preach Deuteronomy 28, that if you'll obey, God will rip open the windows of heaven and bless you in er- every area of your life. How come you don't come and gripe at me then? Because it's about the tithe. Listen, the tithe is just a matter of worship and obedience. There are two really big consequences that come with tithing. Here's the first one. You personally benefit. You personally benefit from the tithe. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 22. You shall truly tithe all the increase of your grain that the field produces year by year. And you shall eat before the Lord your God in the place where he chooses to make his name abide. You shall eat what? The tithe of your grain and your new wine and your oil of the firstborn of your herds and your flocks. God says, listen, bring the tithe into my house. We're gonna read that in the next passage, even more clearly, but don't just bring it into my house. I want you to benefit from it in my house. Some people misunderstand. God says, eat the tithe. Yeah, he wants you to personally benefit from the tithe in his house. Now, let me make a statement that might put off a few of you. If you regularly attend church, you believe in tithing. Ha-ha, Preston, you always think you know everything. I regularly attend church. I religiously attend church, but I do not tithe. You think you know You just said, anyone who regularly attends church believes in tithing. Uh Uh-huh, I did, and you do. If you regularly attend church, you believe in tithing. If you regularly come here and you sit there or stand there doing worship and you say, man, this worship is amazing, so good. I love the worship in this place. You sit through the message, you go, man, I love the teaching here. I love the messages. And you go pick up your children and you say, man, my kids love the children's ministry here. And you come in for counseling and you say, man, I love the pastoral staff here who just loves to dispense God's wisdom and his heart to us. I love it. Okay, listen to me closely. If you regularly attend this church, you believe in tithing even if you don't. Well, Preston, how is that possible? I'll tell you how. If you enjoy The ministry of this church. You believe in tithing. You just don't believe in you tithing. You believe in the rest of us tithing for you. Walked into that web, didn't I? Man, I love the worship here. So do I. Love the children's ministry here. So do I. But I don't believe in tithing. Yes, you do. You just choose not to tithe. You believe in Scripture. Scripture says the tithe belongs to the Lord. Jesus says we should tithe. If I don't, it's not because I I don't believe in it. If you faithfully and regularly attend church, you believe in tithing. You just believe in the rest of us tithing. God created us to personally benefit from the tithe. All of us. Here's the second consequence of tithing. God personally blesses you. God personally blesses you. Malachi chapter three, starting in verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now on this. So for anyone who says God instituted the tithe because he wanted to get something from me, pay close attention to this next part. God says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be food in my house. And test me, or he says, try me, or test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, and see if I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough for you to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Proverbs chapter three, verse nine, honor the Lord with your wealth. We just read it. And with the first fruits of all your produce, then here's the consequence. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Now, am I teaching give to get? No, we don't give the tithe. Am I teaching tithe to get? No, what I'm teaching is the Bible that says, if you tithe, I'm sorry, you will see God's response. You will see God's response. I can't get around that. In a day and time where people would love to say, oh, blah, 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 this is about church and the money and all that stuff and give to get and all that, it'd be easier just to be quiet a little bit on it. I can't. Because God clearly says, Preston, if you test me on this, do a search. See if God says that. Use that word in any other passage in Scripture. Test me on this. And see if I won't respond in my own way, in a way I only can, if you put me first in this area of your life. Now, many of us, when we read Malachi 3, and and we've heard this message enough throughout the years, there's a phrase that stands out in Malachi chapter 3 that's really strong. That the tithing portion of Malachi chapter 3 starts off with, will a man rob God? It's such a strong statement to make. I wanted to title this message, Will a Man Rob God? But you would have all checked out when I mentioned the title. We think about Malachi 3 and we say, well, it starts with kind of a harsh, Will a Man Rob God? And if I'm not tithing, I'm stealing from God. Listen, I'm not calling you a thief if you don't tithe. That's between you and the Lord, not you and me. Not between you and the church. That's between you and the Lord. I'm not calling you a thief. But I want to show you something that even before God says, Will a man rob God? And you say, how will we rob God? And God says, in tithes and offerings. I want you to see, before he asks the question, will a man rob God, he makes an even bigger statement about intimacy than he makes about money. Skip up a few verses, Malachi chapter three, starting in verse six. I am the Lord and I do not change. Thank God for that. I am the Lord and I do not change. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed or killed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now, return to me or come back to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? Here's another way to say what we just read. God says, listen, I'm the Lord and I do not change. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Settle that in your heart, I'm the same. I do not change. And in fact, the only reason you descendants of Jacob haven't been killed is because I don't change. Because you've walked away from my principles. You are no longer obeying what I asked you to do in your lives. And then God says, but yet you say to me, how could we ever return to you? Remember, God says, if you'll just return to me, come back to me, I'll return to you. And then he says, but you say to me, how could we ever return to you if we never left you? The people are saying, but God, we are so close. We are your family, we're your people. We're so close. That's when God says in verse eight, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? God responds, in tithes. And offerings you are cursed with a curse for you have robbed me even this whole nation bring don't pay don't give bring as an act of worship in obedience to God all the tithe bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house God says, listen, you think we're so close right now, but we're not as close as you think. Because as long as you're spending my time and not bringing it to me, things aren't completely right between us. But God, we're so close to you, we're your people. Think about this, it's just common sense. Think about if a young man married a young woman. they had been married a couple of weeks, and the young woman's father, every week of her life, gave her $100 in cash, but for a very specific purpose. And the first week that the two are married, money's really tight, and the new husband sees, fresh $100 bill sitting on the countertop in the kitchen. Says, boom, I've been praying about that awesome scope for my hunting rifle. Voila, here's $100. God is saying, go buy it. And so he does. And the woman comes home from work and she says, hey, where's that $100? The man says, hey, you wouldn't believe this. I've been praying about a scope for my favorite hunting rifle. And it costs $100. And I came into our kitchen today and God miraculously provided $100 on the kitchen counter. And the young woman says, the $100 that was right here? Yeah, that 100. Listen, my dad gave me that 100 and he gives it to me every week, but he told me I have something very specific I need you to do with this $100. I will always make sure you have it, but I need you to do what I ask with it. Now, the new husband says, well, well, hey, I mean, we're we're married now, we're one. My stuff is yours, your stuff is mine, right? No, no, my my father said, I'll give you this 100 to take care of something, but I need you to do exactly what I ask you to do with it. And the next week, the young man does it. And the next week, the young man does it. And the next week, the young man takes and spends the $100. Would the young woman divorce the young man? Over $100? Hopefully at some point he gets it. I'd like to say, of course she wouldn't. But the bigger question is this. Would everything be right between them? if she kept spending what had been set apart for something very specific? Of course, that's what God is saying in Malachi 3. Preston, if if you choose to spend what belongs to me, buddy, we can be close in some areas. I'm not gonna disown you. I'm not kicking you out of heaven, but you need to understand If you're spending what I have set apart as mine, things are out of alignment between us. Son, I just want you to come into alignment with my heart. Will you do what I've asked you to do? And Lord willing, all of our response in every area, no matter what his request, it's yes, Lord. I will. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Gateway Church, please visit our website at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv.